Is the biblical concept of the rapture fact or fiction? How can you know for sure that God's Word teaches on this vital topic? Join us today for Answers on a View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the Wall. Thank you for joining us at A View from the Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs along with co-host Joe Kerr, and we're excited to share a conversation today with Dr. David Reagan, founder and director of Lamb and Lion Ministries. Dr. Reagan is the author of the book Rapture, Fact or Fiction, and hosts the television program Christ and Prophecy that airs worldwide on Daystar TV. Dr. Reagan, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you guys today. Yes, well, we are honored to have you here with us, and we'll dive right into what you call the concept of the rapture. And as we begin our discussion, let's just lay that foundation of what is the rapture, biblically speaking, and where do we find it in the Bible? Okay, well, uh, it is a promise of God that is made in First Thessalonians chapter 4 that uh, one day there will be the shout of an archangel, the blowing of a trumpet, Jesus will appear in the heavens, he'll bring with him the uh, spirits of all of those who have died in Christ. He will resurrect their bodies and put that spirit back together with that body, glorify those bodies. And then those of us who are alive at that time, we will be taken up uh, and we will be translated on the way up from mortal to immortal. And then he will take all of us, the living and the dead in Christ, back to heaven with him, where we will be judged of our works to determine our degrees of reward, not to determine our salvation, but our degrees of reward, and we'll be there in heaven with him during the great tribulation here on the earth. So that's what the rapture is all about. We focus on Bible prophecy here, Dr. Reagan, as do you at Lamb and Lion Ministries, so people expect to hear about the rapture on a view from the wall. Talk about why the rapture is important for every Christian, whether they are focused on eschatology or not. Well, Joe, I, I would point to two things in particular. Uh, the rapture provides hope. We're living in a world that is growing increasingly dark, a world that's just falling apart, becoming more violent, more immoral, not only our society, but all around the world. And in the midst of that darkness, we have the hope of the rapture. It's a great hope for those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, uh, Adrian Rogers, who was a pastor in... Uh, I think it was Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, he has gone on to be with the Lord. But he, one day in a, uh, in a sermon, made a very interesting comment. He said, the world is growing gloriously dark. And people who don't know Bible prophecy don't understand that. What he was referring to was that Jesus said that he would return at a time when the world was as violent and immoral as it was in the days of Noah. And so as we see the world disintegrating, that's the bad news. But the good news is it's one of the most important signs that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. A second reason I would say people should uh, be interested in Bible prophecy, is, uh, and in the rapture in particular, is it motivates holy living. If you really believe in a rapture, an event that could occur any moment, that there doesn't have to be one prophecy fulfilled before it, it could happen while we're talking right now, that motivates you to holy living. 
So the rapture gives hope, and it motivates to holy living. I'm so glad you mentioned that idea of motivating for holy living, because it really bothers me personally that so many churches today don't teach Bible prophecy as perhaps they have in the past, or perhaps as they should. And uh, one thing we want to do is help encourage churches and pastors to talk more about this issue. So how can we encourage pastors of churches in particular to teach Bible prophecy? Well, brother, I wish I knew the answer to that question, because that's one of the most frustrating <laughs> things that I have encountered in the nearly 40 years that I have been in this ministry. The people in the pew are hungry for Bible prophecy. They're interested in Bible prophecy. They want to know about the return of the Lord. But the pastors, generally speaking, just simply do not have that interest. And I think there are several reasons for it. One is a lack of knowledge about Bible prophecy. Seminaries don't, uh, very few seminaries teach about prophecy. If they, yes. For example, at the average seminary, if you study the book of Isaiah, all you do is study, was Isaiah written by one person or two persons or 20 persons? And what does the, uh, the relevance of this or that have? But it doesn't get into the prophetic aspects. So most of your pastors have simply not been trained in Bible prophecy, and they don't like to deal with something that they don't know much about, and I can understand that. Others, uh, I think, fear division. They think that because there are so many different prophetic viewpoints, if they get up and take a viewpoint, that will divide the congregation. They'll lose some of their members. And then I think another one, and perhaps the most important one, is that pastors tend to think that Bible prophecy is irrelevant. I have them say to me all the time, David, uh, you're a traveling evangelist. I'm a located pastor. I have to deal with the problems in my church. I have to deal with adultery and fornication, drug abuse, uh, you know, gossip, things of that nature. And, and I don't have time for esoteric subjects like Bible prophecy. And what they don't understand is that if you can ever convince a congregation of two things, you will totally change their behavior. If you convince them, number one, Jesus really is coming back. The average Christian believes that with their head, but not with their heart. And number two, that that is an event that could occur any moment. If you can convince people of those two things, you will motivate them to holiness, and you will motivate them to evangelism, and what more could, uh, relevant could it be? Absolutely true. Most pastors would love to be able to get more people to serve in the church, and that's a certain way to make that happen. Absolutely. It, it, it can be used as a great tool of evangelism. In fact, if you're dealing with a Jewish person, you better know Bible prophecy, because Jewish people will not listen to the New Testament. They think it's a sin to read the New Testament. So what you've got to do is you've got to know Old Testament prophecy and show them how Jesus fulfilled the Messianic prophecies of the Old Testament using the Hebrew Scriptures. You have a great perspective on one verse as I was reading the book, and that'll shift us a little bit toward the next segment. But you talk about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and I really enjoyed the way you presented it. Walk us through that verse and how it relates to the rapture. Well, that's a very difficult uh, verse to, to walk through on the radio because you really need a copy of it you know, right there in, uh, in front of you. But uh, I'll uh, do the, the best I can here. Um, what I try to show is that this is the cornerstone verse for those who deny that the rapture is going to occur before the tribulation. Uh, they say, well, this, this verse just shows beyond a shadow of a doubt that the, the church is going to go through the tribulation. And the reason they say that is because Paul is writing the church in Thessalonica, and he says to them that concerning the day of the Lord, that day will not come 
until the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So he says, see, uh, you're going to go right into the tribulation uh, because the apostasy is going to occur, the Antichrist will be revealed, and then the day of the Lord will come. And so people say, well, you see, that means that we're going to be in the tribulation. But what that ignores is the very first verse. That's the third verse. The very first verse talks about our gathering to the Lord. That's the rapture. The second verse talks about the day of the Lord. That's the tribulation and the millennium. And the third verse says, let no one deceive you for it. And the it refers to the day of the Lord, not to the gathering. It refers to the day of the Lord. It's talking about the fact that the tribulation will not begin until the apostasy occurs and the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is revealed. So this passage is really a very strong proof text for the pre-trib rapture because Paul had obviously taught the Thessalonians that they were going to be raptured out before the day of the Lord. And somebody had written them a fake letter from Paul saying, you're in the day of the Lord. And they were in a state of panic. They were wondering why in the world they hadn't been raptured out. And he's explaining to them, no, 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 that's a fake letter. You haven't missed the rapture, and you're going to be taken out before that occurs. Well, that's such a great explanation of that passage. And we're going to come back and talk more about this idea of the rapture. So stick with us. We'll be right back in just a moment. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. The I'm a Watchman ministry desires to reach the lost, encourage and equip believers, and prepare all for the return of the Lord. There's a great need to share truth and disciple believers. Most in the Western world are not strong in their faith. Billions in Africa and India and in Arab and Asian regions are lost or persecuted for their faith. We want to reach them and equip them. Our vision is to facilitate the multiplication of godly leaders, watchmen around the world. Please consider being a prayer and financial partner in this important work. Free I'm a Watchman resources have been accessed by individuals in more than 160 countries, but there is so much more to do. Visit imawatchman.com to donate and to find out more. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a Watchman. I am a watchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We're here with Dr. David Reagan, founder of Lamb and Lion Ministries and the author of The Rapture, Fact or Fiction. And as we continue our fascinating discussion of what the Bible teaches on the rapture, I want us to address 2 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, and I'll read it as we begin. It tells us to know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continue just as it was from the beginning of creation. We see this despite toward the rapture foretold in the first century by Peter, and we see it still happening today. So, Dr. Reagan, as we turn to this question, how do we see this in our culture today, and how can we respond to this attitude by the world against the coming of Jesus? Well, it certainly uh, is a sign that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. Again, the many negative things that we're seeing on the world scene today, like immorality and violence, the increasing of it uh, exponentially, is an, a sign that we're living in the season of the Lord's return because it's going to be like the days of Noah. But this also says that in the end times, people are going to mock the concept yes. of the return of the Lord. They're going to say, well, you know, it's been 2,000 years. Uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, when is it going to happen? 
happen. Uh, you've been saying this for 2,000 years. And, uh, and incidentally, their books are coming out like that all the time. The other day, somebody sent me a billboard. This is hard to believe. I, I don't know where it was, but somewhere in the United States, it was a huge billboard put out by the atheists in which it said, well, they've been saying there's going to be a rapture for 2,000 years. Come to our rapture party. We'll celebrate. Oh, you know, my it, goodness. It's this kind of mocking that's going on, and this mocking uh, and this, these increased attacks on the rapture, just every day a new book is coming out uh, attacking the rapture, saying the rapture is nonsense and, and it's not going to occur. I think that the problem here is that Satan does not want anyone to have hope in these end times. And so he is trying to undermine the very concept of the rapture, convince people that it's a fake, it's a, a, a false concept, it's something that you should not look forward to or believe in, and that, of course, uh, causes people to lose hope in the, in the world that we're living in. One aspect of Christ's return that confuses some people, and you make reference to it in your book, and I've seen it in a number of other books, is this idea of the second coming and the rapture. And sometimes people use those terms interchangeably. Can you explain what the difference is between the two so people aren't confused? Well, yes, I will. And, and let me tell you that I grew up in an amillennial church. I grew up in a church that did not believe that Jesus was ever going to put his foot on this earth again. In fact, we only had one sermon that we heard about Bible prophecy, and they preached it once a year. And that sermon said, there is not one verse in the Bible that even implies that Jesus will ever put his feet on this earth again. So uh, you can imagine when I was 12 years old and I discovered uh, Zechariah 14, which said the Lord was coming back to the Mount of Olives, and when his foot touches the mountain, it'll split in half. I took that to my pastor, and I said, you say Jesus never coming back. What about this? And he read it and read it and read it. I don't think he'd ever seen it before. And all I remember is he looked up, he put his finger in my face, and he said, son, I'll tell you one thing. I don't know what it, this means, but it does not mean what it says. Well... <laughs> That's oh my the kind goodness. of games that people play with Bible prophecy. And that's the trouble you get into when you start saying prophecy doesn't mean what it says. Well, I started studying the Bible, and I just, because uh, I believe the Bible means what it says, and I discovered that there are two detailed passages in the New Testament about the return of the Lord. One is in 1 Thessalonians 4, the other is in Revelation 19. And they are as different as night and day. They simply cannot be talking about the same thing. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Jesus appears in the heavens. He doesn't come to earth. Revelation 19, he returns to the earth. 1 Thessalonians 4, he appears for his church. In Revelation 19, he returns with his church at the end of the tribulation. In 1 Thessalonians 4, he appears as a deliverer. But in Revelation 19, he returns as a warrior to pour out the wrath of God. In 1 Thessalonians 4, he appears in grace. In Revelation 19, he returns in wrath. In 1 Thessalonians 4, he appears as a bridegroom coming for his bride. But in Revelation 19, he returns as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's only comparing those two passages. When you start comparing other passages, you can see very clearly that the, the rapture has to be an event that is separate and apart from the second coming because they don't have anything in common except they both focus upon Jesus Christ. And so once you decide that the two are separate, then the next question is, well, then when does the rapture occur? And people have differing views on that. Some put it near the end of the tribulation, some in the middle, some uh, before the tribulation. But the, the two events are separate events. So the point I make is the second coming of Christ is going to occur in two phases. The first phase will be the rapture when he comes for his church. The second phase will be the actual second coming to earth, at which point 
He will resurrect the tribulation martyrs and the Old Testament saints. The Old Testament saints don't go out in the rapture. The rapture is a promise to the church, to the bride of Christ. I like the way you describe that, and I, I know there's a section in your book that talks about the imminency of the rapture, or that Jesus can come back at any moment, and that goes along with what you're describing, these differences between the rapture, which happens at any moment, and the second coming, which takes place uh, following the tribulation period. Now, for people who are confused about these areas, what are some of the implications it has? I'll give one example, and you can talk about this more. I know sometimes people you run into studying Bible prophecy are afraid about taking the mark of the beast by some means of modern technology, but when you have this attitude that Jesus is coming back any moment and then the tribulation takes place, we're not concerned about that in the same way because we understand that's something that takes place later on. Talk a little bit more about some of the ways that that uh, changes our perspective when we see the rapture as an imminent event. Yes, well, uh, of course, it changes our perspective because we start living for the Lord like we never lived for Him before. And that's the reason that I think the there is no date given in the Bible for the rapture is because it is supposed to be a, uh, a motivator for holy living. And if you really believe in the rapture and believe the Lord can come any moment, it's going to be a motivator for holy living as well as uh, evangelism. The Bible teaches eminency. It's, it talks over and over. By eminency, I'm, an imminent event is an event that could occur any moment. There's nothing that has to occur before it. And so uh, this is another reason that there is a difference between the rapture and the second coming, and that is that there are many, many prophecies that must be fulfilled before the second coming, such as there has to be the emergence of the Antichrist, there has to be the rebuilding of a temple in Jerusalem, the Antichrist has to go and desecrate that temple, declare himself to be God, there has to be the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the, the bowl judgments during the tribulation. All these things have to occur before the second coming. So if you believe only in the second coming and not in the rapture, then uh, the, the second coming is not imminent. And yet the Bible teaches the return of Jesus is imminent. It could occur any moment. The only way it can be imminent is if there is a rapture that is separate and apart from the second coming, a rapture that can occur without any events that have to be fulfilled. There's not one prophecy that has to be fulfilled before the rapture occurs. Again, it could occur while we're talking right now. And so uh, the two are very different. It's, it's, it's a, the return of Jesus is in two phases, first the rapture, then the second coming. Well, that's such a good way to describe it. And I hope you're enjoying our discussion now with Dr. David Reagan. And when we return, we'll talk more about this. And so stick with us. We'll be back with more on A View from the Wall. Understanding the Times 2019 is around the corner. Saturday, September 21, just outside of Minneapolis. Do you have your tickets yet? If not, call the Brushfire Agency at 1-888-338-5338. That's 1-888-338-5338. Or just go online to brushfire.com. We are selling general admission tickets for $25, and that includes a lunch. Speakers include Dr. Robert Jeffress, Amir Sarfati, Pastor J.D. Farag, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Jan Markell, and Lori Cardoza-Moore. Come and meet 5,000 like-minded remnant believers on Saturday, September 21. Learn why things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place.
We're back at A View from the Wall, and we're here today with Dr. David Reagan, the author of Rapture, Fact, or Fiction. And we want to encourage you to pick up a copy of this book at our bookstore on IamAWatchman.com. This is an important resource providing the details you need about the end times, including far more than we can include in today's discussion. In fact, the Rapture, Fact, or Fiction includes 21 of the most frequently asked questions about the rapture, and then in section 3 takes on a dozen of the most common objections to the rapture. As we come back to our discussion now, Dr. Reagan, what would you say is the most common objection that you hear to the pre-trib rapture today? Well, there's two that uh, you hear always, just immediately. The first one always is, the word is not even in the Bible. How can it be a biblical concept if the word is not in the Bible? Well, the first response to that is that 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 is incorrect. The Word is in the Bible. It's just which Bible you're looking in. For example, the only Bible that Western civilization had basically for, uh, uh, you know, almost 1,200 years was the um, uh, Latin Vulgate, which means the Latin in the uh, common language of that time. And uh, in the Latin Bible, which the Bible of the Western world for 1,200 years, in 1 Thessalonians uh, uh, chapter 4, you will find the word rapture. It is a, a word that is translated in the English Bible as caught up, taken out, snatched up, whatever. But uh, the word is there. And certainly the concept is there. You know, the second point I make to people when they talk about if the word's not in the Bible is that there are a lot of concepts, biblical concepts, for which you will not find the word in the Bible. The word Bible is not in the Bible. The word Trinity, atheism, divinity, monotheism, Shekinah glory, age of accountability, incarnation, none of those words are in the Bible, and yet they all express biblical concepts. And the second one that you always hear is it's too new to be true. I hear that like a broken record over and over and over. It didn't develop until the 1820s, and therefore it cannot be true because it's too new to be true. You know what's interesting about that, and I just find this fascinating, is that in the 1500s, when Martin Luther called the church back to the biblical teaching of salvation by saying salvation is not by works, salvation is by grace through faith, that was the very thing that was hurled at him when the Pope called for him to meet one of the Vatican representatives at the uh, Diet of Worms. The very argument that they presented to him was, Martin, this concept is too new to be true. None of the church fathers, none of the popes ever taught salvation by grace through faith. And his response was, well, maybe not. But I'll tell you, the real church fathers did, namely Peter, Paul, James, <laughs> and Jesus right. Christ. They yeah, that's a good talk. way to start. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, uh, the question for any biblical doctrine is not when it was developed. That's not the question. The question is, is it biblical? That's the only question we should ask, not who it came from, not when it was developed, but is it biblical? And so people point to the 1820s and say, all this started with one guy, John Darby, in the 1820s in England, and he got it, they say, from a girl uh, who was a Scottish girl, a teenage girl, who was possessed by demons. All of this is just nonsense, just absolute nonsense. Uh, you know, there, there was a fellow who wrote an entire book arguing that Margaret MacDonald, this teenage girl, uh, came up with the concept of the rapture as she was possessed and, and, and having trances. I read the entire book, and then I turned to the appendix to read her vision, because it was written down. And I read it, and I read it, and I read I bet I've read that vision 15, 20 times, and I've never found a pre-tribulation rapture in it to this day. 
It's just not there. And the fact of the matter is that uh, a book has just been published in just the last couple of years by a professor at the Colorado Christian University. And this book is really a powerful one. This guy specializes in English literature for the last 300 years. And he has made an extensive uh, uh, bibliography of books written in England in, in the area of theology in the last 300 years. And what he does is he points out that these books are full of references to the rapture and even references to people who taught the rapture and they're objecting to it. And he said this didn't begin with the Darby. It was something that was well established by the end of the even the uh, 16th century. People were writing about it. The 17th century, it was well established that it was found among uh, Presbyterian writers, Baptist writers, that there was going to be a rapture separate and apart from the second coming. They not always agreed on when it would occur, but they said it would be separate and apart. And they, basically what they're saying is that Darby took all these and put them together systematically and promoted them. He was systematically put them together, and then he tirelessly promoted them in his writings and in his public speaking. And this is something that had already been concluded uh, before the uh, book by the uh, Colorado professor. Uh, his name is Dr. William Watson, and his book is entitled Dispensationalism Before Darby, published in 2015. But it had already been confirmed in a book entitled When Time Shall Be No More, which was published by Harvard University in 1994, a secular book, in which the author came to exactly the same conclusion. He said, in a sense, Darby's system contained nothing new. His focus on the future fulfillment of prophecy followed the eschatology of early Christians who believed in eminency. Even rapture doctrine can be found in the writings of early interpreters, and he goes on and on making the same point. It's just that this newer book really proves it by showing what books it was in, who said it, and when they said it. So again, the question is not how new it is. The question is not where it came from. The question is, is this a doctrine that is biblical? And it certainly is a biblical doctrine. That's so well said. And we'd like to conclude this program with a word of encouragement specifically to our Watchmen community, those who are on the front lines of warning and witnessing and looking to end well. Uh, we believe the rapture is near, but how can we encourage Watchmen in these final days? I think we can encourage them by uh, pointing to the signs of the times and saying, look, uh, it, we're living in the season of the Lord's return. And the other day I was having a conversation with a man who, who uh, we were talking about the Bible and on. He said, you know, he said, wouldn't it have been interesting and exciting to live in Bible times? And I said, sir, we are living in Bible times. We're living in the times when prophecies 2,000 years old are being fulfilled before our very eyes. The Jews have been regathered from the four corners of the earth. Israel has been reestablished. The church is full of apostasy. And just go on and on and on. The point is that for the first time in all of history, all of the signs of the times are converging. That is the number one sign of all, convergence. All of them are converging as never before, and that is a sure sign that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. Well, that is my favorite line of the entire program. We are living in Bible times, and we hope you've enjoyed our time with Bible prophecy teacher Dr. David Reagan of Lamb and Lion Ministries. And every watchman, we believe, needs a copy of his book, The Rapture, Fact or Fiction, that you can pick up at IamAWatchman.com. And for more about Dr. Reagan's ministry, we want to encourage you to go to ChristandProphecy.org. That's ChristandProphecy.org. And we appreciate you being with us and look forward to being with you next time on A View from the Wall. 
A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.